0: have you ever heard the term sold out? Well, sold out means to give everything you have to it. Like on the football field, the coach will come around you and he'll put his arm around you and he'll say something like, hey man, on this next play you need to sell out. Well, we are to sell out. We should do the best at everything we have. Everything is given to us. It's good to do well. But the question is, am I selling out to Jesus? Am I giving him everything I have? Isn't that what a disciple is? My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. And it's good to have you along. If you're listening as a Life Connection Group leader or part of the Life Connection Group ministry here at Northwood, you are welcome here. And there is nothing secret about this Material. So if you'd like to forward it to anybody, feel free to do so. Uh, l- let me go over what the materials that you get in the uh, attachments at the bottom of the email are. Uh, the sermon that you will be using and the questions that you will be using the day of is actually the, month, the week before. So this Sunday will be the 12th. So you will be using the sermon the sermon materials and the questions from the 5th, okay? I know we have uh, one class that is actually doing it the same day. So obviously, if you're doing it the same day, then use the day that is the 12th uh, So for this Sunday. Uh, And then you can go through everything else, including my notes. I have Trey's notes in there where I actually took notes from Pastor Tommy's sermon, what I got out of it, maybe some things that weren't in the sermon itself. Uh, When you look at it on the document that Pastor Tommy sends. I also have Pastor Tommy's sermon, exactly what he wrote, and that is available to you, and you'll see that under the heading Sermon. We have the discussion questions in full page, and we also have it in half page where we turn it half and we can fold it and make it look real nice and put it in the uh, notebooks and also uh, hand it out to people in the Life Connection Group classes. In addition, we have the bulletin that's there for you with the congregational outline on it, but we also separate out the congregational outline. We do it in PDF and in Word, so that if you're like me, I want to type the notes on my computer. I pull up the Word, and then I am actually the Word document for the congregational outline, and I am actually typing, filling in the blanks, and that's where I do, and how I do Trey's notes. So uh, that's also dated, and you're welcome to use it the day that the sermon is preached. Great way to study for the sermon and you should be ready. If you would just do that one thing during the sermon, take uh, pretty extensive notes, you would be definitely ready for the for the uh, teaching the lesson with a little bit of tweaking and just going over the scripture one more time. We also give you the notes. When you open the half uh, document, the half questions document, uh, you'll notice that we actually have the scripture on there. People are welcome to use that to read from the scripture, when it says, read verse 4, it's on there. And even when we go to a, uh, a larger cross-reference, if Pastor Tommy says on the um, discussion questions, uh, Le- Leviticus 12 tells us this, and verses 14 through 13, or uh, 14 through 18, and so we'll try, if, if uh, there is room, we will put even that on there. So especially with new people in your class, it's an easy way, or new believers, it's an easy way for them to just jump over there and not have to find these different passages during your Life Connection group. So hope that helps a little bit. If you have any questions about how we use the, the uh, attached material, just get in touch with me, T-R-E-Y, Trey, at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and I will try and answer your questions. But there should be enough material in there for you to easily be able to teach the uh, lesson and also lead in discussion. All right, everybody. Well, we are in Luke chapter five, and we're talking about following Jesus and what it is to be a disciple, to sell out to Christ, if you will. And we don't wanna be a sellout, but unless we're selling out to Jesus. So what happens is, is that everybody really wants to make sense of life, don't they? And by the time you're whatever age your people are in your Life Connection group, all of them would say, hey, I want to know what I need to do to follow Jesus. I would hope that they would be there because Jesus tells us that he's the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. But following Jesus is not just showing up at church or just learning some life hacks from the Bible. It's, it's the call to follow Jesus is more this idea of immersing yourself in Jesus and his mission. And we're going to study some of that today. Jesus calls the first disciples in Luke chapter 5. Jesus died alone on the cross. He paid the penalty of our sins, but he didn't come to do ministry alone. He invites us to join him in his mission, and I need to say this. He invites us to join him in his mission so that we can share the good news of his kingdom with others. So you need to ask your life connection group, are you following Jesus? Um, so it's interesting that we do call the 12 disciples the 12 disciples, but they they were not the only disciples. But these are the ones, the men, that spent three years with Jesus. They learned about the king and his kingdom. They learned to do ministry with him. Uh, the 12 disciples give us great hope because it shows us how Jesus can take ordinary sinful men, fishermen and tax collectors and and just ordinary guys and use them for his glory. Luke 5 doesn't show us everything about what Jesus wants us to accomplish in his followers. But Luke 5 does show us two characteristics, and then here they are. Number one, followers of Jesus walk by faith in real life. So we walk by faith. So you know how we say connecting faith to life? This is what this is about. This is the big part of being a disciple. It's saying, okay, my faith matters to my life. So here's Jesus. His ministry's taken off. He's preaching. Simon Peter's there, but he's not really listening to Jesus. And remember, Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law before. He was a disciple or a called disciple or an apostle or anything else. So he heard him him in the past, but he's kind of worried about his fishing and where he's going to get money from. Who knows? Maybe he's got to fix his boat. So they go out. They have a long night of fruitless work. They're very frustrated. So if you don't catch fish, you don't make money. And there was no government uh, fallback. So Peter's washing his nets and what he wants to do is he just wants to get home. Well, you know how it works. It's hard to focus on anyone, uh, on what anyone is saying when you're frustrated. So there are people that are in your life connection group this morning that have a hard time listening to Jesus. Why? Because they're very frustrated with their lives. They're frustrated with their finances. They're frustrated with their job. They're frustrated with their family. They're frustrated with their husband or their wife. They're frustrated at work. They're frustrated, frustrated, frustrated when they drive. So in frustration, what you're doing is you're tempted to listen to other voices. You start feeling sorry for yourself. You start to worry. You start to get angry at things. So Jesus climbs into Simon's boat and he asks Simon to push the boat out. That's a. It was becoming a floating stage so Jesus could see the people and, and the people could see Jesus. They could hear him better. And having been in Galilee, it is a relatively calm lake, so it wouldn't have been a lot of wave crashing like there would be at our beach here on on the Grand Strand area of, of South Carolina. But anyway, Simon probably didn't want to be bothered. But because Jesus is the mother, I'm guessing he felt a little obligated. So after teaching, it was a strange request. He says, put out deeper, is what Jesus tells Peter. Put out deeper and put out, put down your nets. And Peter says, master. And by the way, that's a term of respect. Not necessarily that he's just a master, like I'm, I'm a disciple and master. But uh, it, it, it would be a normal thing to call a a teacher or rabbi that. Um, Maybe, uh, so here's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a great teacher, but here he is calling and asking fishermen to do the job. And he's telling fishermen as a carpenter what to do. And so Peter, of course, is very frustrated, but out of that frustration comes an incredible statement of faith. He says this, but if you say so, I will let down my nets. That is an incredible statement of faith. Taking orders from a Jewish carpenter as a fisherman that should know where to fish, how to fish. Isn't that right? We always go to the guy that knows how to fish. Where's your fishing hole? And here Peter is being told by a carpenter how to fish. So what Jesus requested of Peter really didn't make sense. So what was happening, though, is Jesus telling them then to get out of the boat and leave the fishing net. But, that, uh, excuse me, let me say that again. It made sense to tell Jesus to get out of the boat and leave the fishing to Peter. But Jesus taught with authority. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So he figured, well, I'll listen to him. So what that means is that is faith in real life. That's faith when it counts. In real life, Peter goes to Jesus, but Jesus also meets with us in the mundane and the hard moments and the frustration in real life. We need to respond to Jesus in faith in real life. When life is fr- frustrating, we need to think about how Jesus, uh, would, um, uh, would want us to respond. And that's when our marriage is struggling and Jesus calls you to do extra to love and to have grace in the midst of that struggle. When it's hard to pay bills. What kind of step of faith is Jesus asking you to take? A follower of Jesus always connects faith to life or does connect faith to life. Of course, even a follower of Jesus, strong follower of Jesus, messes up. But The problem for many of us is that we walk away from a worship service where we've been taught the word saying, that's interesting, but it's not for me. So instead of saying, I heard God's voice, I'll do what he says, um, you know, that's what we should be time together in God's word isn't intended to be just interesting. it's intended to be transforming. I once heard a person say that the Word of God is not cake for special occasions. it is bread for daily use. It is how we live our lives. So there's three questions we can ask. Number one, are we walking by faith in real life? okay so that's how we know. Here it is. Number one, am I trusting God or something else? Because real life will reveal who and what you really trust. Number two, Am I more concerned with my agenda or God's agenda? Real life reveals what you're living for. And number three, am I focused on the moment or the goal? Real life reveals what you focus on. Okay, so as that follower of Christ, number one, followers of Jesus walk by faith in real life. But we don't just stop there. Followers of Jesus also live for what's best in God's kingdom. So Simon... Does it. What he does is he and his partners put down the nets in the deep, and a miracle they get a catch of a lifetime. So many fish that the the nets begin to tear, and they can't pull all the fish in. So Simon cries cries out to Jesus, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man, in verse 5. And Simon calls Jesus master, uh, and now he calls Jesus Lord. I don't know exactly what Simon knows, but he knows that Jesus is far more than a teacher. So this is very similar, and Isaiah 6 is a good passage to go back and read if, 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 when we get to this point um, because it's going to help you understand the same way that Isaiah felt when he said, I am a man of unclean lips, right? S- Simon Peter doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to say it. He says, save me or forgive me in this moment of holy terror. All he can say is go away, but Jesus doesn't go away. Jesus pursues. Jesus wants to save Peter. Jesus wants to give Peter a different life. So when they get back to shore, Simon and the fishing partners have everything, to follow Jesus, and, and notice that they don't, uh, notice what they don't do. Simon doesn't try to change Jesus' mission. He doesn't say, Jesus, stay here. We can start a, a real business catching fish on the Sea of Galilee. So, and by the way, that doesn't mean he never caught fish again, because he did. In the Gospel of John, he's doing it. But fishing was no longer a life, a life priority for him. Uh, so followers of Jesus live for what's best in God's kingdom. Here they are. I only live for what's best when I come to the end of myself. When you realize that you can't do it on your own, that that is when you say, okay, it's time to really follow Jesus. Instead, uh, you know, when Jesus pulled up the great fish, all those uh, when Peter pulled up all those fish at Jesus' command, you know, he didn't say that was awesome. He said, I'm terrible. He realized that life didn't center around him. Second one. Followers of Jesus live for what's best. And here's the second thing that's best. I only live for what's best when I constantly evaluate the motives of my heart. What are my priorities? Uh, And by the way, it's good to have goals. Finish school, achieve work, and all those good things. But what about kingdom goals? We get so wrapped up in the world, the goals of this world, that we forget about kingdom goals. Am I going to sacrifice more, more of myself for the kingdom of God? Am I going to give away more of my time, my resources? And then third... that we know what's best. I only live for what's best when my eyes are on eternity. You see, we don't focus on the temporary, the stuff that's around us. We focus on what will matter for all of eternity. That's why it's about investing in things that are going to have an eternal impact Our gospel conversations, discipling your children, pursuing Christ-likeness. You have to ask, what's been helpful for me as we learn the right questions? Instead of constantly asking what's best for me, I'm learning to ask what's best for the kingdom of God. So this week, your Life Connection group and you, we all, need to come to the end of ourselves and see that God has eternity in view, and he is the one pursuing me so that I might live for him and help build his kingdom. (coughs) All right, let's go into the discussion questions, and we're going to be looking in, as I said, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, if you want to. Uh, These are all good questions. Uh, If you want to do something a little lighter to start out with, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, But uh, I like number two, what is discipleship? What has been your involvement in discipleship? Who discipled you? And who are you discipling? All right, so let's start by examining the text here. Uh, Read Luke 5, 1 to 3. I'm going to go ahead and do that by way of introduction so we have kind of a grip on what we're talking about. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. By the way, Lake Gennesaret and Lake Sea of Galilee, same place. It was also called uh, Lake of Tiberias. He saw two boats on the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He, that's Jesus, got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. All right. repeatedly Luke shares about Jesus preaching ministry. Why was Jesus preaching ministry so important? Well, obviously, that is the way that he communicated his word, the word of God, to the people of God, to the people that were listening. So Jesus is preaching. Um, he wanted people to hear and respond to what he said. And uh, so that that's the bottom line. Preaching matters a lot, and preaching still matters a lot. It does matter whether or not we preach the word of God. And it's not just something we do on Sundays just because we can't think of anything else to do. And uh, it, at that point, it was also a very attractive thing to hear someone and to hear someone spoke with passion and, and with great authority. And Jesus had both. How do the miracles of Jesus complement his preaching? Well, they, they, if you remember from last week, what happened with, with the, the um, miracles is they affirmed what Jesus was saying was true. In other words, it gave him authority to be able to preach so that people would listen. All right. We already read verse three. Let's read verses four and five. Then he, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch." Master Simon replied, "We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets." So why does Jesus get in the boat? Well, he wanted to have a platform. Remember, we talked about that. Get out. He'd be able to speak better. People could see him better. He could see the people better, and also just the echo off the, off the, um, off the lake and into the. Shore, which was would have been elevated, would have been able uh, made it better to hear. So, why do you think Simon honored Jesus' request to put out from the land? Well, remember he had taken care of his mama and mother-in-law, excuse me, and by taking care of his mama-in-law, uh, he kind of felt obligated. So, then the question is, why do you think Simon didn't resist Jesus' request? Well, that, there's the answer. Uh, Luke 5, 3 through 7. We've already read that. Let's continue on and read verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, And when they did this, they cro- uh, let down the nets. Remember the end of verse 5. And then when he did this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish, isn't it? Uh, putting out the boat a bit. This is question number three. So Jesus would have a floating platform was one thing, but Jesus' request for Simon to put down his nets in the deep water after a night of failed fishing was another. Why do you think Simon was willing to listen to Jesus? Well, uh, at first, as we studied a minute ago, he wasn't listening, but he decided to listen to Jesus. Uh, I can only imagine that he realized that Jesus was about to do something spectacular. Um, and so out of out of Simon's frustration, God begins to speak. I think he had gotten to the point where maybe nothing else mattered. Um, and so now Jesus tells him to do what he did. And so this man with authority who had healed his mother-in-law, the guy that he wasn't even listening to, the guy that for Peter didn't really make sense, but Peter, for whatever reason, decided to make his uh, put faith, uh, make faith a part of his real life. Um, So he put down his nets in deep water. Have there been times that you have listened to Jesus when it didn't make sense? Yes, there have been. Uh, Going to Africa was one of the big things. Uh, Going to uh, seminary was another big thing. Uh, It just didn't make sense and actually was advised not to do it. So, uh, but you listen to Jesus because you know it's the right thing to do. You know that it's more important that you follow the the voice of Christ than you do the the voices of even people that seem very important to you. All right, Luke five verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, "Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord." What's, this is uh, question five? Um, uh, what's significant about Simon's response? Why does Simon want Jesus to depart from him? By the way, question four, we've kind of answered that. If you need more on that, just go to the sermon and uh, dig out some stuff on that, or you can um, do a little bit of study. Anyway, why does Simon, so what's significant about Simon's response? Well, it's more about what he didn't say. He didn't say, wow, that's awesome. Hey, let's uh, put down, let's let's do this more often, and I can be a rich, wealthy man. Uh, So why does Simon want Jesus to depart from him? Because he feels so dirty. He hadn't been listening. He hadn't been paying attention. He really didn't care. He was wrapped up in his life. He was frustrated. He was angry and all those things. And Jesus gives him all these fish. So much is about to sink their boats. So what does this teach us about how we should respond to Jesus? Well, we should respond to Jesus because he is always right. He's always going to tell us the right thing. And he's going to make a difference in our real life. And we have faith in him to do the right thing in our real life. And then when we respond, that's a step of faith that we take. That's in our marriage or forgiving when it's hard or all those things. Compare Simon's encounter with Jesus to Isaiah's encounter in Isaiah 6. I talked about that during the sermon. But you might want to turn there at this point, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, if you didn't already do it during the sermon. How are these two accounts summary? Very similar to, to Jews. They're in the presence of God. They In the presence of God, uh, they think they're going to have a big show. And in the big show, they fall at his knees. Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Peter says, I am an evil man. And then how are they different? Of course, one's, one's at the shore of, of Sea of Galilee. One's in the temple. And uh, one's a prophet. One's just a fisherman. So there are some differences as well. All right, Luke. 5, 9 through 10. What does it mean to be a fisher of men? That means that you go after men. That's what uh, being a fisher of men is. And Jesus tells Simon Peter to get out of the boat because now he's about to become a fisher of men. He's going to go after, he's going to tell people what Jesus, he's going to, uh, I know this is kind of corny, but he's going to hook them with the gospel instead of, uh, or throw nets around them for the gospel. You know, that's the whole, you're going to bring them in. That's kind of the idea. The same principle as you go after them, and Jesus will then allow you to bring people into the kingdom and be a part of His work and bringing other people into the work of Christ. Uh, they might have some other things, and that's that's kind of an interesting question. How should Jesus' purpose for our life shape all our other priorities? It should be second. No, any other priority in our life should number one be secondary. But number two, I, I I think more than that, the other priorities in our lives should work around the ultimate priority of bringing people to Christ, building the kingdom of God, bringing God glory, and helping him make disciples, right? All right, well, let's apply the truth. Number one, Jesus comes to Peter in a real-life situation. How can you do a better job of connecting your faith to Jesus in your everyday life? And we talked about maybe it's your marriage and you need to take that step of faith to love somebody in spite of themselves. Maybe it's in that Thing that you don't feel like forgiving someone that's wronged you and you have to forgive them. Maybe maybe in real life you've been mistreated by that co-worker or classmate. Then you could take a step of faith to to put the needs of that person that hurt you above your own. Wow, that's huge, isn't it? How about when it was hard to pay the bills? What step of faith is Jesus calling you to take? Maybe, it's, maybe you need to reorder your finances so you can be more generous. And by the way, we do have Financial Peace University going on in And I hope that some people in your life connection group are already involved in that. Um, So, what does Jesus want to meet with you? Uh, How does Jesus want to meet with you in your everyday occurrences of your life? Well, they're going to have to say that, how that works. Hopefully it's in the Word. Hopefully it's in their time with the Lord. Hopefully it says they're sitting in a message and listening and obeying the commands of Christ. Um, All those things. Number two, what does it look like to live on Jesus' mission? Um, if we're going to live on Jesus' mission, we have to do the things that are going to help him when we do what's best for the kingdom of God. When we come to the end of ourselves, evaluate the motives of our heart, and then do what's best and keep in keeping our eyes on eternity. Um, so we are able to then do that. By the way, can, let me give you the exact words for the connecting faith to life part. Am I trusting God or something else? Am I more concerned for my agenda or God's agenda? Or am I focused on the moment or on the goal? And if you look at the sermon, it's just before the second uh, division of uh, following followers of Jesus live for what's best for God's kingdom. Um, All right, so... How does discipleship help prepare you to live on mission? Well, discipleship prepares you because you're you're learning what it means to be a follower of Christ, what Jesus did, and what Jesus is asking you to do, and how we keep His commands, and how we live for Him, and and how we build His kingdom. All those things are part of discipleship. Um, very much that we need to be a part if we're gonna. Or we need to be a disciple if we're going to be a part. Number three, why is it important that discipleship happens within the context of believers instead of in isolation for believers? Because I gotta tell you, I need another believer to help me when I'm struggling. And when they're able to pull me out when I'm struggling, I'm then able to pull them out when they're struggling. That's the concept, that's the principle, that's how it's supposed to work. All right, uh, respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do? Response, in response also, how should you pray? Lord, help make me a disciple, help me to be a follower, Lord, help me to connect my faith to, to what real life is, all those things. And then number three, This one thing. What is one thing you can do this week to grow as a disciple of Jesus? Is it spend time in the Word? Is it forgive someone that's hurt that's hurt me? Is it love my partner when they don't deserve love? Is it trusting Christ when it seems like it's impractical to do so? All right, all those things can be a part. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful. And I hope that uh, you can continue to uh, lead this discussion and make a difference in the lives of the people that God is bringing to you in your life connection group. Thank you for all your hard work, and thank you for all the response that I got from asking for leaders. I I, I didn't know I was going to get so much. It's awesome, and uh, Lord willing, we should be able to, we should pretty much be able to go ahead and start those groups in the next uh, eight to nine months. We'll see how that goes, and you just pray for God to continue to work in the hearts and lives of his people as we continue to grow and we continue to incorporate the new people into God's work. Alright, let me pray for you and I will see you on Sunday. Father, thank you for the blessing of what it means to be a follower of you, to be a disciple of you. And oh Lord, to, to do your work and your will, to, to build your kingdom, to follow your commands, to help build other people to help disciple other people. Father, I know that you are doing a great work here at our church. And Lord, we just want to be involved. May, may our priority be the kingdom work, not our secular work. And use the work that you have given us, that secular work, that secular job, to help build the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Have a great week. God bless.